Hi everybody, this is Kyle with episode 57 of the Geek Rex podcast. This week on the show, Shane is up front and in the lead and we're talking movies. Not just any movies, but our favorite movie superlatives for the first half of 2014. That includes our favorite movie thus far in the year, our favorite performance, and a couple of Oscar hopefuls that we have on a couple of odds and ends. You can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Follow us on Twitter at geek underscore rex and like us on Facebook. Enjoy episode 57 of the Geek Rex podcast. Hi everyone, it's Harper from GeekRex.com, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know that there's now a way you can help us in our ongoing efforts to provide you with the best in geek-related news, film and TV criticism, comics discussion, and super cool podcasts. If you like what we do, it's very easy to help. Just head to GeekRex.com and click on our Amazon portal link right on our homepage. It'll take you directly to Amazon, and then on any purchase you make, GeekRex will get a percentage, which goes a long way to offsetting our regular out-of-pocket expenses. You can even bookmark the page, and then, without even thinking about it, you'll be helping us out a lot. Every little bit helps, and if you're already shopping on Amazon, we'd be incredibly grateful if you considered providing a contribution to our efforts. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show! Welcome, everybody, to episode 57 of the Geek Rex podcast. Uh, Last week, we talked about our favorite comics of 2014 so far, and today we're going to be talking about movies. And we've got our full team with us today. We've got Kyle, Hannah, Harper, Cal, and myself. So how about everybody say hey? Hello. Hi. Hello. (laughs) All right, so uh, just a quick reminder before we get started. The uh, article containing these movies that we have recommended and broken down into three categories is available already on our website, and there will be a link for it in this article as well. And be sure to check that out after listening to this podcast. So let's just go ahead and dive right in because we don't want to spend too much time, and there are quite a few things to talk about because it seems like every single one of us picked a different movie. Uh, I think Harper and I are the only ones that share a pick. So, yeah, this might take a little while. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and start with the last category that we chose from, which is Oscar hopeful. So I know I did in my pick. Uh, It seems like we all picked a different category, and I don't know if that was by design. I know I did by design because I noticed everyone else had picked a different category. But these are basically the films that we feel are... Oscar hopefuls for this year, ones that we think are going to be nominated or possibly even win in a certain category. So just scrolling down the article here, let's start with Harper. What did you pick for your Oscar hopeful out of our 2014 films so far? All right. So mine is maybe the least likely to actually be nominated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mine was more of a, an actual hope that I, I really would like it to be nominated, but uh, mine is the cinematography for the raid Two. Um, so I know I've I've gushed over this movie a lot uh, as we've talked about it on the podcast and on the review I did for it. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think really stood out was the really phenomenal um, cinematography, which is um, really stylized and really um, just kind of uh, just kind of interesting all over the board. Um, there's a lot of different types of shots and stuff. And then uh, as I as I linked to in the article, um, one of the things that made me think about picking this as, for my Oscar hopeful was the uh, the behind the scenes uh, video of how they did some of the compli- complicated shots. So, uh, you know, they've got the, this shot that goes from one car to another through the car and, you know, follows somebody else afterwards. And um, just seeing how they did that is absolutely fascinating. I mean, we're talking about they had a cameraman literally disguised as a car seat in this car. <laughs> uh, the guy is dressed as a car seat. <laughs> um, yeah, and. Like stuff there oh yeah it's it's wild um and it's just it's just really impressive um i think it was one of the many elements that made that movie um really exciting and and fun and uh worth seeing again and again for me cal saw that yeah i definitely i i think i'm the big um the raid redemption fan here Mm -hmm. i saw it i just i just wasn't huge on it uh, so far it's one of my favorite movies of this decade like i i love the raid oh. <laughs> um i'm a, i'm a sucker for a good action movie and 
while I still like it a little bit better than the Raid 2, I have to agree. The Raid 2 really stepped it up in with regards to just design, cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I was impressed by that scene uh, that you cut, that you um, posted the video to, the how, the how they did it, mm-hmm. uh, when I watched the movie. But when I saw that video, I was just like, I felt like um, Alfonso Cuaron would be like, okay, guys, stop showing off here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I still haven't gotten a chance to see the raid too, but that picture you posted on the article definitely has me intrigued about this camera work. All right, so uh, Hannah, you want to go ahead and share yours? Sure, and I think Shane, you and I both agreed on this one. Yes, you mentioned uh, this that. one was almost my best movie pick. Yeah, well. me too, actually. I almost put it there, and then I thought, well, if we're going for what I actually hope can win an Oscar, then I'm going to put it here. Um, because I think it actually has a pretty good shot, and that's the Lego movie for Best Animated Movie. I mean, I know we're only halfway through the year, but I'd be really shocked if there was anything else that came out all year that could beat this movie, because it was one of my favorite movies of the last couple years, let alone in the category of animated films. Um, I think I saw it twice when it was in theaters, and then I I bought the Blu-ray as soon as it came out. It was just a really funny movie. It didn't feel like it was specifically for kids and i was a little afraid because even though i love legos when i was a kid um you know movies like this can feel like kind of a commercial and they did the perfect thing which is they showed both the really terrible consumer side of legos and the really fun imaginative side of legos in a way that i could i didn't feel like i was being tricked or forced to buy legos even though i went ahead and bought some as soon as i saw the film (laughs) um they they just you know it was masterful yeah, I, I had such a good time at the Lego movie. Um, I, yes, listeners, I can have fun in a movie. I, I swear. Um, uh, there's something else we found out about you, too, right after the Lego movie. Oh, that which I you never had. I, ne- I, ne- I never had Legos as a kid. Which Crazy. I, know is the weirdest. I really didn't either, honestly. Ah, look at that. Look at that. There's two of us. I used to <laughs> no. play Legos all the time, and I would take little barrels because I had shark Legos, and I used to like watching the shark TV shows on Discovery Channel. And so I would chum the fake waters with my Lego barrels <laughs> and attract <laughs> the Lego sharks. It was the best thing ever. Yeah, it, it, I was it, a Lincoln Logs man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just played with, like, uh, superhero action figures. That was my thing okay. I, you know, as a kid. But anyway. Well, yeah. Now superheroes are Legos, too. So. I, I, you're right, which <laughs> probably would have attracted me more to them as a kid. But anyway, the movie, really fun, really good, really well written, and probably the first, um, you know, uh, highlight reel for Chris uh, Chris Pratt this year. Oh, yeah, he made that. You know, his performance was spectacular. Yeah, and I was... I was dreading Guardians of the Galaxy until I heard him in that. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is going to be okay. Yeah, it, it's a great yeah, start. I was, I was very close to putting Chris Pratt as my favorite performance for this year because I think, yeah, he really he really helped sell that movie. He did. I've, I felt the same way. I, uh, I'm typically reluctant to... Um, I dislike celebrity voice actor, like the celebrity voice actor trend in animated movies because they often end up playing just like, oh, I'm this famous person. Like, I mean, Morgan Freeman was just Morgan Freeman doing a Morgan Freeman thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Chris Pratt just had so much personality in that movie. Like, yeah, I I definitely agree. Yeah, I mean, it was just a a fun movie experience in general. Um, And I think the fact that you mentioned these superheroes as Legos thing, that that was a big part of it for me is just Legos like the one unbelievable place where all of my favorite things can actually uh, exist together and not, you know, (laughs) not be torn apart by corporate uh, ownership. So (laughs) it's, you know, that was one of the things that I loved about it, too, is just all these things thrown in together. Yeah, it's definitely uh, the Lego movie sequels, the only hopes we'll ever have of getting a Marvel and DC movie. So <laughs> maybe they'll throw those in next movie. Um, I, and I also agree with Hannah. This is probably, out of all our Oscar picks, I would say this is the one I have the most confidence in actually winning. Uh, the only stiff competition it has for the rest of the year is the Box Trolls. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Kyle, you want to go ahead? Yeah, there's not only like a couple things that can really be said about it, but um, as as sort of the both Harper and I are, I guess, kind of like the the former musicians of the group. So I kind of wanted to look into best score, which I felt like might have I, I didn't know if anyone else was even going to try to touch it. And it's something that's always kind of interesting to me, anyway. Um, this year there weren't a lot of standout scores so far. Nothing that really grabbed me as of yet, and they'll probably start to come out in the fall. But 
I will say, and I wasn't a huge fan of the movie itself, but Under the Skin score, uh, Mika Le- Levy's score, is unbelievably haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it's, you know, to me, uh, the mark of a very good score is a score that does not overpower the movie in that Hans Zimmer kind of fashion, even though I do like some Hans Zimmer scores. Or it's not just, you know, understated shit like um, like this, this Apes movie has the worst score I've seen yeah. in the summer movie <laughs> yeah. in a while. That was the only one I could think of that may get a nomination, but yeah, it's not a very memorable score at all. It's, it's just slop. But with Under the Skin, there's, there's, there's a moment every time she drags these unsuspecting men into her alien black hub home um, where you hear this do 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 and it's just it's these three notes that just stick with you it's so disturbing and it really helps set the tone in a way that I'm not sure it would have been able to uh, measure to otherwise so that would be my pick for best score thus far but I'm sure something will supplant it that's a really hard category to pick I gotta agree like that's I, I, I gotta applaud you for doing that because I don't know that I could think of anything I've seen so far this year that had a memorable score yeah I can't really either I, I didn't notice anything spectacular, but again, I I haven't seen it either, so <laughs> I think uh, I, I guess when it comes time for Oscar nominations, they're just going to pull from whatever is nominated for like Best Picture and whatnot. Yeah, they always do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, m- maybe Captain America gets thrown in there, but I really don't remember it having a memorable score. It, it really, does not. <laughs> re- really, Avengers is the only one of those Marvel movies to have a memorable score? No, 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 it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one that gets close. You guys, what about Spider-Man Two? Oh yes. You know what? The, uh, the, the, the there's not enough electro opera in the world. Uh, uh, I swear, if that gets a nod because of all that dubstep crap, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Cal. I think yours was the most surprising. I think mostly just because when I was scrolling through your picks, then then this one shows up. So go ahead and <laughs> talk about your pick for Oscar hopeful. Well. Um... I'm going to actually go ahead and say that um, mine is probably every bit as unlikely as Harper's to show up. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Um, I I did uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, and my pick was 22 Jump Street, um, which I really can't see showing up at the Oscars in any way. (laughs) But... um, that Jackass movie showed up. Yeah, it's true. Still, it showed up. Protect tech stuff. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, for this, the reason I picked it is um, first off, I mean, just degree of difficulty. Uh, I legitimately can't think of a better comedy sequel. I mean, comedy sequels are almost notoriously abysmal, and. Um, this one wasn't just good, it was as good, if not better, than the first one, which was another very surprisingly good movie. And I think part of that is um, Michael Bacall, who has written for Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who directed this one as well as the Lego movie, and Edgar Wright on Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, is very good at writing to that... Um, hyper-aware sensibility where there are constant jokes and sometimes the jokes are um, sometimes the jokes are meta, sometimes they're character-based, sometimes they're uh, action-driven, but there's always something happening. It's, um, it's, it's the best things about the great modern sitcoms uh, kind of writ large. And it's also happens to be impeccably structured, which people don't think helps a comedy, but I'd argue does. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think this is the only pick I a little bit disagree with. Me I too. Mean, yeah, I, I like the movie okay, but there were parts of it that really bothered me. Like, I hated the incessant they're a gay couple yeah. running gag that yeah. <laughs> wouldn't stop. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like the movie very much either, sad to say. I didn't dislike it. I just, it wasn't my favorite. Um, I, the, 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 the first movie was very refreshing and very exciting in the same way Lego movie was. And this one just kind of felt like um, one joke. 
or two jokes. It was a gay joke and a sequel joke constantly. <laughs> and there were a few other things I liked about it. Like I loved the end credits. I think that was certainly a lot of fun. But I don't know, man. It was just one of those ones that didn't land with me at all. But you know, maybe uh, maybe we're just we're in the minority on that one. I think. Yeah, most people loved it. Yeah, I'm in even more of a minority in that I have not seen this movie or the one that came before it. Yeah, me, oh, me wow. neither. Actually, the first you either. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. We hey. talked about this. I loved the first one. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, no, it's it's very good, Harper. I, I really do recommend you see these movies, just so you, you know you can kind of judge. They, they they do play like the Lego Movie in the same sort of rapid fire, like yeah. like joke mold that Cal sort of brings up. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> they do. It, it's it's stunning. Um, you know, Lord and Miller are very good writers. Um, so I mean, they, it, it's only a matter of time before they're you know writing a film that's like Edgar Wright caliber. Maybe they've already gotten to that point. I don't know. I, I could see it. Um, it best adapted screenplay is hard. Like I was scrolling through 2014 in film, and I don't really see anything standing out that would be, oh yeah, that's definitely an adapted screenplay nominee. So I don't know. It might have a chance. Um, it, it's difficult. I mean, we're just not at the point yet where the big awards yeah. bait has hit. I mean, there's a few. There's a few. One or films. two things will hit during summer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like uh, the movie I just mentioned, Under the Skin, is a big critical favorite, and that's adapted from a book. That's so perfect. that's that's like a possibility. Um, and there there are, there are other other uh, other films that could be um, in in. I, I I haven't read reviews for the one Cal has chosen for his best movie, but I think that's also another possibility for best adapted. Sure, sure, we could. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. All right, so uh, I guess that leaves me for Oscar hopeful. So I uh, was first going into this article saying, okay, Lego Movie's going to be my pick, and it's going to be for Best Animated. And I saw that Hannah did it, and I almost repeated it, but I decided, okay, we're going to get to talk about the Lego Movie anyway, so it's okay. And so I went ahead and went with the most recent film I've seen. I watched it uh, on demand with my parents, which was the Roger Ebert documentary Life Itself, uh, obviously picked for Best Documentary. Um, I'm horrible when it comes to choosing what's going to get nominated for an Oscar and what's not. So I really just went with something that I feel like is going to be a huge shock if it does not get nominated. Yeah. And I think, honestly, it might even be a huge shock if it doesn't win. Because this movie really does a great job of saying, if you're a fan of film and you don't know who Roger Ebert is, there, there's something wrong there. Because you don't, you don't become a fan of movies without knowing his name. And this documentary definitely proves even more so how much of a mark he really left on film and film criticism. And he turned movie reviews from something people could hardly take seriously to something that's really seen as a legitimate career today. I mean, all of us are following his footsteps in many ways by just producing this article. So, um, yeah, I think that it does a great job of showing that. And then what I really, really appreciated about the film is that it makes him look like he's human it doesn't make or he was human it doesn't make him look like he's something more than a man because he left this great contribution to film criticism it's like well he had his faults too and he had his health struggles and he was he went through a lot of struggles that were just like you and i but he just so happened to also have this huge impact and that's something i really appreciated and that's really what caused me to enjoy the movie a lot more and yeah as i said it'll be a huge shock if it doesn't get nominated and even more of a shock probably if it doesn't win yeah, it seems like every year there's like the one documentary that right. people talk about, and I think this is probably that documentary this year. It just happens to be a, a documentary about a critic, and critics are talking about exactly. it. That's only <laughs> that's the only thing where I'm like, uh, you know. But I, I mean, Hannah's seen it. I haven't seen it, so it was really good. It was it was sad, it made me emotional. It was yeah. sad. I haven't seen it yet, but that that definitely feels like as close to a sure thing as there is on our list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's too bad because I think my my pick for something later is maybe a better documentary, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> All right. So uh, let's move on to outstanding performance. So these were the performances that we thought were just fantastic this year. Um, just trying to scroll back through and see if we picked diversely. Did anybody pick a female? Cause it looks like everybody picked men. I picked a woman. Okay. We have some diversity in there. All right. Um, so anyway, um, I'll start with myself, but uh, I chose, this one was hard for me because I was trying to think of 
what to pick at all in general because it was kind of like best movie. It's like, well, I haven't seen too much this year so far, so what do I even go with? And so I was going back through, scrolling through Wikipedia for 2014 in film, kind of seeing what I'd seen and thinking about each of these movies, who was the one actor or actress that really was the backbone for this movie and was really if not the reason the movie succeeds is definitely one of the big reasons the movie succeeds. And I almost went with Chris Pratt, like to the point where I, all I had typed so far in the article was Chris and I was (laughs) trying to decide which last name to go with. Chris Evans. And and so I I ended up going with Chris Evans uh, because I wanted to show Captain America, the winter soldier, some love on this list because I really do think it is the best action movie of this year. Thus far, I have not seen the raid two, So it is very possible. The raid two is better. (laughs) But I, I think it is very, very much so the best action movie that I've seen so far this year. And a lot of that is because of the action. And a lot of that is because of a really great story that's adapted well from the comics. But I think a lot of it, too, is because Chris Evans is just perfect as Captain America. And he started that with uh, First Avenger and then the Avengers itself. And then he just continues to really portray the character how I've always imagined him being when I'm reading these comics. And I think he does a great job of showing how Captain America is a very selfless hero. And we always like to think about how heroes, well, they're superheroes. They're supposed to be selfless. They're supposed to think of others first. But really, as I was thinking about it, all these superhero movies, it's very hard to think of one, except for maybe the Christopher Reeve Superman films, where the superhero wasn't at least a little bit selfish and was doing things for their own interest or because somebody they loved was in peril, which is a very common superhero trope on its own. And so, really, Chris Evans, he's real, definitely the only one of these Marvel cinematic heroes who does things because it's for the good of everyone else. He does not care about himself at all. And that's what Captain America needs to be, and he plays it perfectly. And to go back to Winter Soldier as a whole, as I said, pending Guardians of the Galaxy, it's highly likely this will end up being the best of Marvel Studios Phase 2. I'm not sure Chris Evans is even the best part of that movie. Why do you say that? Uh, I think maybe uh, Scarlett Johansson might be the best part of that movie. She does do a much better job in that movie than she did in her previous two outings. It's like, you know, I I was sold on Chris Evans in that role just fine. Um, But Scarlett Johansson's turnaround for me was pretty miraculous. I can agree with that as well. So it sort of saved me in regards to that movie. And I like Robert Redford, too. What the hell? But... Yeah, I mean, Chris Evans, is, I mean, he's good. He's fine. Um, I, I certainly like his performance as Captain America a lot. and We could do a hell of a lot worse. Remember, Sebastian Stan was almost in that role. And, uh, you know, he, that dude's a, basically a block of wood as the Winter Soldier. So, <laughs> I was about to say, good thing he's playing a character that basically is a block of wood. So. Right. Yeah, this this is one I actually kind of fall on Shane's side. Um, I, I think uh, Chris Evans is impossibly endearing as Captain America. Um, you know, I, I think he's just ridiculously charming to the point of, you know, just being one of the most easy to identify with kind of characters and, and just really, you know, you want to pal around with him. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that has to do with his performance. So I, I, I kind of agree. Yeah. It's, it's pretty tough to make uh, heroes like that come off well on the big screen. Mm-hmm. I think we, we end up with a lot of very um, like milk toast, bland heroes because, they're going for that, but they don't know how to do it and they don't have the actor to ground it. And um, Chris Evans just brings so much down to earth charisma to the role. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to overlook. I know, I know he's not super satisfied doing these big effects driven movies uh, as an actor, but I mean, I, I, I can't fault him for what he puts on the screen. He was, yep. he was a ton of fun in that role. All right. Let's have, let's have our diversity thrown in with Cal here <laughs> for outstanding performance. Represent Cal. Um, well, I guess, uh, mine I, m- may come as a bit of a surprise after, uh, leading with 22 jump street there. <laughs> uh, but mine is for, um, a woman, uh, Agatha Kuleja, who was one of the stars of a Polish film by called Ida by uh, Paweł Palakowski. And basically the, the premise of this movie is um, this young novice nun uh, is told that before she can take her vows, 
she has to learn something about her family history. She was basically dropped off at the convent as a as an infant, and so knows nothing about uh, her who she is or where she comes from. And they've tracked down her aunt, and um, her aunt Wanda, who's a judge for the Stalin Stalinist regime in Poland, and um, so this this. Uh, hard-drinking, cynical judge played by Agata Kolesia takes this kind of idealistic nun on a road trip through Poland and kind of explores their their mutual family history. And uh, Kolesia was just playing such a stereotype in some ways, but the way that she sold the role and the way that she... There were a lot of kind of those pained silences that in the wrong hands can just look very um, like an actor playing like, oh, I'm supposed to be in pain right now. And Kalasia was just she was just magnetic. I, I really haven't seen a performance, male or female this year, that um, hypnotized me quite as much as this one did. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people may not have seen this movie um, for many, many obvious reasons. I kind of caught it on a whim uh, last time I was in Cleveland. And um, it's it's slow, but it's powerful. And Kalasia is a huge part of that. I like passed on this every single time I had a chance to see it. So <laughs> I've never even heard of it. <laughs> I kind of wanted to see it once I, I read that Cal wrote that she was the quiet avenging angel. That's where I was sold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was it was playing in Atlanta, and uh, it, it, the previews were not exactly the kind of movie. It, it reminded me sort of of uh, the White Ribbon, um, mm, you, just yeah. the, the way they tried to sell it. So I thought, oh, I don't know if I could sit through another White Ribbon or not, as much as I like that movie. Um, never could find myself in the mood. But uh, I don't know, Cal, I'm, I, I could do it. Amazon's got it. I could check it out. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, if, if you think it's one of the outstanding performances, I've got to see it. Yeah, I, I do. And I'll, I'll also say this. Um, my best movie that I chose, I chose because my first two were um, already taken. But this 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 was this was a close tie for uh, my favorite movie. Uh, like it's, it's in my top five for the year overall, too, wow. so far. Very cool. All right. So, uh, Hannah, how about you go? Okay, well, I think I stole a good one because I kind of I logged in and put mine up before some people had a chance to go. And this was an easy, obvious choice, so I apologize for poaching it. But um, I picked Ray Fiennes from the Grand Budapest Hotel. I, uh, I don't know. He was just fantastic. Like, he was my favorite part of that movie. I still remember not only some of the things he said, but the way that he said it. And it's it's unusual for me to remember the tone or the way that an actor delivers a line in such a specific way. But I really remember that from his performance, maybe even more than what he said is how we said it. Um, and to me, that's, a, you know, that's such a, a true kind of hallmark of a really a good job. Uh, so that's why he's my pick. Yeah. Who knew Ray Fiennes could be so funny? Yeah, seriously. True. Yeah. Uh, all, I, I mean, yeah, this is going to be horrible, but all I know for his Voldemort so yeah definitely right? yeah. Be funny. <laughs> I think he could be nominated too I think he will be nominated yeah, I, agree. I, I think that's a solid choice I certainly hope so yeah it, it's a big maybe the problem is that move, these Wes Anderson movies they come out so early yeah. in the I know, year I know yeah, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox was the only one that came out close to Oscar time in recent memory I think he'll be this year's Cate Blanchett I would love for that to happen I really would I mean Ray Fiennes is a, is, is, is a truly fabulous performer and this really shows his range in a way that I hadn't seen in a while I mean mm-hmm. I didn't see Coriolanus when it came out but um, he's he, I'm not going to say the man's been phoning it in but he's been, he had been taking a few paycheck gigs, like Wrath of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe or, a certain uh, franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's a few <laughs> franchises, actually. So it's nice to see him, you know, sort of back in, a, in an element where, uh, I mean, God, Johnny Depp was almost the lead of this movie. Yeah. I mean, can, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, can you imagine the difference? There's no way. Ray Fine seems, seems more in line with Wes Anderson than... And Johnny Depp. That's that's really weird. I wouldn't have known that though until I saw it. I, he, he's not at all what I would have pictured for a Wes Anderson movie. But when you see it, it yeah, works. So maybe Johnny Depp would have worked, but it's, it's impossible to imagine anyone else doing as good. Yeah, it, it is. 
I mean, this is a, I, a I new. Really this. <laughs> this his character is one of the new like classic movie characters. I feel like, um, and yes. I don't, it wouldn't have been that way without the way he played it for sure. I still need to see this movie. It's on demand, though. For Put it on bucks, your list, so I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I, I, I meant to watch it the same night I watched Life Itself, and I also meant to watch Snowpiercer, but things got in the way. So I, both of them are definitely on my list. What a double bill that's going to be. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. I might not watch them back-to-back. I might just watch one, one, one day and one the next. So. We're going to Shane's house this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fine by me. So. All right, so uh, Kyle. Yeah, all right. So my best performance of the year is Tom Hardy and Locke. So the gimmick behind this movie, if you don't know it, is um, basically it's a one-man show. Um, uh, Tom Hardy is playing a guy named Ivan Locke. He's a concrete, uh, I guess, supervisor, sort of construction supervisor, uh, overseeing the biggest concrete pour in Europe's history that isn't governmentally related. And uh, he gets in the car. And he, he decides he's going to go and head to the hospital. And this isn't really spoilers because it's part of the part of the like actual um, synopsis of the film. It's it, he heads to a hospital where the woman he's cheated on his wife with in a one night stand is having his baby. And literally, you are spending two hours in the car with Tom Hardy, uh, maybe an hour and a half. And literally, the only people to act against him are people that are over a speaker in his uh, Bluetooth hands-free phone system. And so it's all ADR'd in. All the acting he did was him by himself. So it wasn't like he was acting off any other actors at all. And it is an unbelievable performance where the only thing he's got to use are his hands and his face. Yeah, and, and random bonus for that movie, Sophie from Peep Show. And also from all the other British shows. Isn't that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. I, I caught a few people. Uh, Andrew Scott from Sherlock, who plays Moriarty, is also That's in true, it. Yeah. And uh, it's it it's got uh, it's got some some nice performers uh, in sort of secondary roles. But I mean, Tom Hardy is is the star of the show, oh, yeah. and it's I mean, it's a tour de force, and it's a really cool character piece too, because you know Tom Hardy is playing sort of a Welshman who is very calm and serene in the way he talks. So it's not like one of these things where he's a guy that loses control very often. And that's very difficult. It's a very nuanced performance that, uh, you know, a, a lesser actor might have turned into some explosive thing. But he uh, found a character, stuck with it, and it's uh, it's it's incredibly real to me. And um, this was almost my best movie, but it, by far it's the best performance I've seen in 2014 so far. Yeah, this one's a lock for my Netflix queue. Oh, my God. Oh. I went there. Sound effects right there. <laughs> okay, so uh, I will say uh, Harper, for his outstanding performance, chose something that I was also thinking about putting. And uh, a performance that I completely agree with was great and one that has, from an actor that's long overdue for some recognition in the awards. So uh, I... I didn't. I didn't pick a female, but I more or less picked a non-human. So I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with that. Um, I went with uh, Andy Serkis from uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I was to me. I, I know. Um, I think about half of us, <laughs> at least somewhat. Uh, you know, really enjoyed the movie. Um, and uh, I, I think the my entire enjoyment of the movie came from from Andy Serkis and and the um, the visual effects team is part of that as well. But um, his performance as Caesar, and I'm assuming he played a lot of the other apes as well. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but um, his performance is just kind of um, insane, ridiculous that a person can do this. Um, I mean, we've known for years that he's got this kind of extremely unique talent and he's like the only one doing it. That's um, you know, gets recognized and is really, really good at it. Um, but I thought in particular here with uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, it was just really, really impressive. Um, just through, you know, sheer facial expression and move, body movement and very, very few actual words, um, there's a lot of character and emotion and depth that comes out through that. Um, and I think that's just really, really impressive. I think um, I, was, I was ecstatic to see him get first billing uh, when the credits rolled. So um, I, I think he absolutely deserves it. Agreed. He's, he's fantastic. And uh, 
it's also worth noting that Andy Serkis apparently helped with, uh, he didn't do motion capture for it, but apparently he helped with animating Godzilla for this year's Godzilla movie. Oh yeah, so they, this is how Godzilla would walk around. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I mean, the guy played King Kong might as well play Godzilla too, so. You know, I, it's funny, I thought the movie, again, this is another case where I don't think Andy Serkis was the best thing in that movie as far as like performances go. I thought Toby Kebbell as Kobo was actually better. He uh, was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there were moments where I was like, yeah, that's that's more interesting to me, especially <laughs> oh. you know, the scene everybody talks about where uh, Toby Kebbell uh, grabs that gun from the guys and yeah. he's like, acting like a dumb ape, you know, that's it, they're, they're bigger moments. So it's probably why it grabbed me. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to deny Andy Serkis in the, in the film. He's a fine actor. I mean, he's one Gollum. His, his Gollum was incredible. And of course, uh, you know, he's he. Uh, he won me over in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So, uh, yeah, once again, another stoic, interesting performance from Andy Serkis. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm perpetually surprised that, not surprised, I guess, because I understand why, but disappointed that he hasn't been nominated for anything. Um, and again, I, I totally get why he hasn't. Like, I understand the prejudice that's at, that's at play and why they don't want to open that up. But it's just such a difficult thing to pull off such a difficult type of performance. And he's just always really inhabits the role. He, he, I mean, as you say, Kyle, I mean, he's, he's not as exciting to watch as Koba, but I almost think that level of restraint is part of the, part of what makes it impressive because he is playing like the one ape who has really kind of, blended humanity and ape manity <laughs> and uh i it kind of comes across like he he sells he sells kind of his awkward between two worlds then very well that's a good point i i completely agree i it, it's weird though that he doesn't get any award attention and i i i agree with how that it's because of the stigma that exists but you know avatar got nominated for best picture at the oscars and that movie uses the exact same technology that Andy Serkis uses all the time, so it's, true. Yeah, I, it, it's way past time. Picture, picture versus acting, though. Like I still, I think they still see this as a primarily animated role. You're right. Yeah. So uh, let's go to best movie, our third and final category. So these are the films that, thus far in 2014, we have enjoyed the most for whatever varied reasons, which we're about to find out and discuss a few of these we've talked about a little bit before um it's really about half and half half of them we talked about and half of them we haven't so uh let's we finished with harper let's start with harper again (laughs) all right uh i feel like again uh i i I took an easy one with this one (laughs) um so I, i happened to snap it up uh i picked grand budapest hotel um when when i was looking over my list of 2014 movies that i'd seen um uh, you know, I, I thought about the Lego movie. I was, I was looking for movies that I just had got the sheer most enjoyment out of or, or really liked a lot. So, and uh, between Lego movie and uh, Grand Budapest, those were by far and away the, the top picks. Um, so Grand Budapest to me was just, um, I think it's, it was a return to force for uh, for Wes Anderson. I, I was not a huge fan of the last couple that he's done. I, I liked them, but I thought they were not as good as his past stuff. Um, I'm a big Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums fan. Um, but, uh, Grand Budapest is one of the most fun and engaging and silly, um, original movies I've seen in a long time. Um, this was one of the few that I, I watched it and immediately wanted to see it again. Um, and, uh, I mean, the setting is just one that is not something you see in a movie ever. Um, that, that kind of idea and tone, um, and the way he plays with it just happens to fit really perfectly with his, uh, Wes Anderson's, um, kind of usual style in a way that you wouldn't really expect necessarily. Um, and I think Ray Fiennes was incredible. Um, the rest of the gigantic cast was also a blast. Um, I just, I have nothing bad to say about this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, it, it was literally one of it's, I think it's Wes Anderson's best movie, honestly. And I know not everyone's going to agree with that, but close for me. It's, it's, it's funniest. I'm not a big fan of his, actually. So to be able to say that I, I found one that I really genuinely loved in the theater, that that's saying something, especially lately. So um, yeah, I, I I 
I loved it. It's got a, a more endearing quality to it than most of his movies do, I think. Like, a little, the protagonists are a little more likable, a little more accessible, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, Moonrise Kingdom left me so cold. I mean, yeah. the second time I saw it, I liked it better, but it didn't grab me in the same way. And maybe it has a lot to do with Ray Fiennes. Maybe the, the, the little clever... Uh, story within a story within a story moments um, and the, the varying uh, aspect ratio changes and all the really cool stuff that he's implemented in this movie. There's just a lot of thought and a lot of passion in here that uh, I just wish they would have, uh, you know, cast an older version of, uh, of the uh, younger oh, guy that actually looked kid. like him, yeah. you know, <laughs> somehow he turns white when he gets older. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I... Grand Budapest right now is sitting pretty at the top of my list. Um, I, I mean, like you guys, I just, I loved it. I had so much fun in the theater and I actually rewatched it three days ago, I think four days ago. And I, I had a blast again. It's, it's Wes Anderson. I think it, it it's probably his most approachable movie, mm-hmm. which is weird given how, how, how many uh, loops the story takes and how many of his quirks are present, but it's just so goddamn fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to make myself look like a horrible uh, film geek here, but uh, I have only seen one Wes Anderson movie in my life. And that is fantastic. Mr. Fox. That's and yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. So I was about to say like all these people saying his recent stuff is bad. I mean, cause I know Harper's not the only one, that's been saying that I've seen that quite a bit. That seems to be a pretty common consensus. And I've, I love fantastic Mr. Fox. And I, I think that, I mean, I haven't seen grand Budapest hotel just yet, but I, I would argue fantastic Mr. Fox is also very approachable for audiences. Yeah. Well, I don't think Harper was saying that. I think I'm saying that. Well, I'm not sure. oh, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox is definitely better than, um, moonrise or, uh, um, Darjeeling, I think. See, I I like I loved Moonrise. I guess unlike the rest of you, <laughs> I think it speaks to Wes Anderson. I mean, I, he he gets a lot of um, he gets a bad reputation for every movie looking or feeling the same. Yeah. But I think it's telling that every single person I talk to has wildly varying reactions mm-hmm. to every single one of his movies. I mean, um, everyone has a different favorite everyone has a different least favorite there's there's not really a consensus on him um he's he's just something about his work speaks to a lot of people in very different ways and there's not many filmmakers i think you could say that about particularly ones that have that same or a similar voice throughout so yeah that's definitely helps to make him more unique so yeah let's move on uh just to go ahead and get our repeats out of the way i'll go with my picture pick for best movie and as i mentioned in the article i know it's so recent uh before life itself this was also the most recent movie i saw it's the most recent movie i saw in the theater and i know it just came out it's not even a week old yet but i mean i'm just gonna go with my gut and so dawn of the planet of the apes is my favorite of 2014 thus far and i should say i've not seen grand budapest yet and i've not seen snowpiercer yet so those definitely will probably factor in once we get to the end of 2014 but for now i i loved that movie and i think the reason i did is because going into rise three years ago i was not a planet of the apes fan at all that is a sci-fi franchise i have stayed far far away from i i stayed away from star trek until the jj abrams movie and i stayed even further away from planet of the apes until rise came out and my brother would just not shut up about how good it was and so i was like okay i'll give it a chance i ended up loving it i was blown away by just the plot of it the actual depth that a movie about apes taking over could have with it and just how amazing that cgi was i remember talking with my brother after the first film and asking him like some of those apes in the background were real right like they had real (laughs) chimpanzees and nope not a single one of them and so i it, it definitely i think has some of the best CGI of any film, and that speaks for the sequel as well. I think it has the, the best CGI of a film so far this year, uh, at least for a live-action film. Obviously, you have animated movies that I don't think really belong being compared in the same category, even though they're both technically computer-generated. But, um, yeah, it's just it's fantastic, and I think what I love about it 
is that it really feels like it's two separate movies being told at the same time. You have your human dystopian survival story about how do we make a society thrive. They both share that link. They're all about how do we make a society thrive. Caesar's trying to figure out a way to make this society last. Ten years it's been going on, but he's starting to see the cracks in the foundation. And it almost has an animal farm quality to it, particularly when you see their, at, towards the beginning of the film, when you see their rules. And the first one is apes never kill apes. And it's like animal farm. You know that's, that rule is going to go out the window before the movie's over. And um, it's, that's really the only link those two disparate stories share is that they're, they're about how does a society survive. And on the ape side of things, you've got a societal drama that feels very Shakespearean in a lot of ways, particularly what Koba ends up doing in Koba is definitely a lot more in interesting antagonist than Gary Oldman. I was a bit disappointed that Gary Oldman didn't end up being as interesting as I thought he would from the trailers. But he, he was interesting enough to be entertaining. I think the human side of it is probably the least interesting. I know a lot of people have also said that. Well, you've and, given this movie way more credit than it deserves. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> why, why you I, I feel like we could have a whole podcast about this movie. Kyle and I were super divided on it. I enjoyed it as well. But uh, I, I, I was bored for two and a half hours, or two hours. We it could was, probably I talk about struggling. this movie for an hour and debate right. it. But... So, Shit. I'll, I'll cut it up there. I, I loved it. <laughs> I, this is not the very – those of you who have been listening since the beginning, so 57 episodes now, shouldn't be surprised <laughs> that I loved something and Kyle didn't. So. <laughs> I have to say, Kyle, I'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I I loved it as well. Me too. Um, I, I I loved that it was a relentlessly political, thoughtful yes. movie in an era where blockbusters tend to be sanded down to be more acceptable. Like it had a very strong point of view. It was uh, the most thorough criticism of. America's obsession with guns that I've ever yeah. seen in a blockbuster movie. Um, I mean, it was, it was just a smart, engaging movie that uh, I, I really, I really never was bored. I mean, even with the human stuff, which uh, did get short shrift. I mean, you know, the movie has, has its issues. And one of them is it never figured out what to do with a few of its characters, but this was this this is this is what I want from blockbusters. I, I want point of view. I want focus. I want thoughts and ideas um, on top of the gorgeous CGI. <laughs> well, you know, let, let me just put it this way. I think the movie is immaculately crafted. I think it's remedially written. I think the script is horrible, um, to be quite frank with you. I think its ideas are all there on the screen. There's no room for interpretation whatsoever. And, uh, you know, after about uh, – after you get past, like, the first, like, 45 minutes, once you get past the ape conclave and you enter into the human side of things, it's it's just incredibly dull. I mean, uh, honestly, the the movie never really moves beyond its one initial message, which is fine – but as, as, as one of my favorite critics, David Ehrlich, said, this movie is the basic bitch of summer films. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, it, I'm fine with this movie being sort of the ground level for what summer movies should be about. But the effusive praise for this thing is driving me bonkers. I now understand, like, why people get annoyed with the folks that praise the Dark Knight so much. Because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people. Yeah, yeah, no, and I get it. I'm like, holy crap! Now I understand. I don't see the depth <laughs> that everyone else sees. I guess, but I know I'm way in the minority again because this thing is uh, has been praised to the high heavens, like it's the greatest summer movie ever. So, oh, I would not say that, but it's definitely the best of this summer so far, especially since Captain America came out all the way back in April. So. But you know, respectfully disagree is all I'll all say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine by me. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we've had to do that. So, all right. So, uh, how about we go with you, Kyle? Because I have never heard of your pick before at all. So, I was I, I struggled to even figure out what I was going to pick because I liked so many movies. Which the, I guess the bottom line for me is that 2014, even movies that I'm not crazy about, are still better than a lot of the movies that came out in 2013. Uh, I mean, just compare Planet Dawn and Planet of the Apes, which uh, you know, had things that I liked about it versus, you know, slop like World War Z, um, just as a comparison point for similar release dates. But 
my pick for best movie, I could have gone with Grand Budapest. I could have gone with Snowpiercer. I could have gone with We Are the Best, which I talked about on the podcast a couple weeks ago, which I loved. Could have gone with a number of films, but I decided I was going to go with a probably little, not little scene documentary, but certainly little release documentary uh, about the band The National called Mistaken for Strangers. And the uh, central premise is the younger brother of the singer of the national is kind of an odd man out. So in the national, it's a band of brothers. You have two guitar players are twin brothers and the bass player and the drummer are also brothers. And so the singer, I've always wondered who's that guy's brother. And so this is a movie about that guy and he (laughs) goes on tour with them. And, uh, he's kind of interesting. He's got similar, uh, interests to like, uh, to like your, your own brother, Shane. Uh, he's a big horror guy. He's a bit of an amateur filmmaker. And so he uh, he goes on tour with his brother. He, they, they hire him as a uh, as a you know a, a backstage guy, a, a backstage tech. And um, it, it's literally he's also trying to film a documentary at the same time. And instead of it being a documentary about the national, it's actually he decides to make it a documentary about him and his brother's relationship. And it's so funny, but also pretty touching. And it's unbelievable. And Hannah's the big national fan. So. Yeah, I think that the elevator pitch for this movie is, it doesn't matter if you've seen, if you've ever heard the national. I think the elevator pitch is, imagine if Michael Scott from The Office had a famous older brother, and he went on tour with his brother and tried to film the experience. You know, it's like, <laughs> he's not doing any of the work he's supposed to do. He's trying to constantly, like, party and use his connection and, like, film himself and it's all about himself and no one gives a shit you know it's just really good <laughs> i've never heard of this but i'm gonna have to check it out it's really funny yeah i've heard a lot about this it's, it's definitely one I, I need to check out it played at the plaza man it played at your spot i know i missed it <laughs> yeah i hadn't heard of this either i really don't know anything about the national but um i'll have to i'll, I'll definitely keep an eye out for it yeah, it's like it's not even about them at all. Like at one point, one of the the uh, band members is like, "Are you going to ask me about our music or anything?" You know, I, I, I thought this was going to be about me. Yeah, I thought said. you were going to ask me questions about me because the guy's just like, "So what do you think my brother's thinking? Like, why is he being mean to me?" You know, like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very short. It's very funny. I think it's like seventy minutes long. No, I think it was it was like it was an eighty or ninety 80, minute right. movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a tight little documentary, and it tells a really like fun story. That uh, and, and the last scene of the film, it like sums up the entire movie perfectly. I got, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie that ended that well. Yeah. Um, but you have to see it to to know what I'm talking about. So. All right, so uh, let's move to Cal, whose pick is one that I've I've actually heard of, which is good because a lot of these <laughs> indie movies you guys have been picking, I have never heard of before. But I remember seeing the trailer for this, and it's entirely because I'm a huge IT crowd fan. So go ahead, Cal. Well, uh, I had a really hard time picking. Um, I mean, I loved Grand Budapest. I loved uh, another movie we're probably going to talk about in just a minute now. And as I said before, Ida was another close call. But I ended up going with The Double, which is the, I believe, second movie by... uh, Richard Ayoade, who most people are going to know him from the IT crowd. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that's, I mean, that, you know, that was his big kind of defining role. I, I personally know him from the uh, little scene masterpiece, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Um, but this is his second uh, directorial effort. I believe he wrote it as well. And, um, it's so different from anything that I'd seen from him or imagined getting from him. Uh, his first movie was very much like a coming of age dramedy. And I would have been totally happy with more of that. But the double is kind of a dark, darkly comic dystopia uh, in the vein of Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Uh, essentially the story is, Jesse Eisenberg's character is kind of an office drone who is so meek. uh, He barely even exists. Like no one, no one remembers him. He's been working there for years doing phenomenal work and no one cares at all. And uh, one day his exact double shows up 
with almost the exact same name, something that no one else in the office seems to think is odd at all. And um, the two kind of become friends and kind of become... At first, it seems like it's going to be one way, and the movie takes a few weird swerves. But I will say, uh, part of the reason I chose it is... um, It's such a stylish movie in a genre that's very hard to do. I think that dark comedy is very hard to, it's, it's a tight, uh, tightrope walking act and, um, Eisenberg and Mia Wasikowska, who is the female lead, do a very good job at bringing the comedy out of some incredibly bleak situations. (laughs) Yeah, bleak is a good adjective because I remember seeing the trailer for that movie and thinking there's no way that movie's going to like hearing hearing seeing that trailer and then hearing you say it's funny just I can't put those two together because that movie looked anything but funny from the trailer. It it wasn't ha ha funny for me, but it had some humor, I think. It was very steampunky too, no? Like Yeah, yeah, it had that very um it had that kind of archer, I don't know if any of you watch Archer. You that- do, yeah that archer aesthetic where it's lost in time. It has some technology that like, it's like basically takes the worst of every decade. <laughs> and That's its world's technology. So it has like bad, like seventies sci-fi serials and um, like these bulky, like late eighties computers, just everything is the worst part, the worst thing from whatever it's from. <laughs> And what's kind of funny is I feel like Jesse Eisenberg gets pigeonholed into like two different roles. One is like the kind of talks fast, egomaniac asshole kind of guy, like, I don't know, Facebook. And then the other one is like um, super awkward, quiet, shy. And I feel like he plays both of those in this movie at the same time. Yeah, he was he was perfectly cast. I mean, it's it's a really nice almost inadvertent. I, I feel like it has to be commentary on his career so far too. Yeah. That's funny. I got to see this thing. Uh, Hannah was praising it to me. So yeah, that's going to be on my list of things to catch uh, at a point of catch up whenever I get there for sure. It's going to have to be high on that list. Yeah. I really wanted to see this at the Atlanta film festival. It was the, it was actually the closing film of, of the festival, but um, wasn't able to, but I really wanted to. And now uh I mean, you mentioned the word Brazil in there, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to buy it now, basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's wrap it up with Hannah's pick. Okay, so I picked Snowpiercer. Um, Woo! Yeah, <laughs> again, this is another one I kind of stole out from under a couple people, I think. And Happy New Year! It's interesting because I feel like Best movie is a hard description for me. Yes. Like, I don't know if this is the best movie. I think it was the one I enjoyed the most, you know? That was my thinking. Yeah, like maybe technically it wasn't the best. There were some problems. The acting wasn't perfect. There were a couple lines that were really bad in the writing, but it was just like, it was so totally different than any movie I've seen in a long time, and I had no idea what to expect the entire time. So I felt like I was just constantly on the edge, waiting for the next thing and kind of enjoying the humor and the action and the surprises and... You know, it's it's a it's a love it or hate it movie. Most people that I know have loved it, but yeah. very few people are like, "Yeah, it's good." You know, you have a kind of a strong reaction either way. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Speaking of movies that are uh, very Gilliam uh, influenced, mm-hmm. Snowpiercer feels like Gilliam meets uh, Hong Kong action movie meets um, I don't know Fritz Long or something. It's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked um, Snowpiercer for all the same reasons that I picked Stoker as my best movie last year, um, which is not not surprising. I mean, these are this is a, another Korean director is one of my favorite directors um, coming over and doing doing a movie with an American cast uh, mostly, um, and it was just phenomenally imaginative and exciting. And I think it was one of the more um, morally complex movies. Like I'm still thinking through all the kind of implications and ideas that the movie puts forth. Um, and, and I mean, the fact that I'm still thinking about it weeks later is, is enough for me to pick it too. I mean, I love that movie too. Yeah. It was one of those rare ones. Like, like we always use inception as our gold standard for this kind of a movie where it's both heavy on the action and really kind of exciting and fun. 
and really cerebral and gets you thinking about the layers and the meanings and the symbolism and stuff like that too. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of old school allegorical sci-fi and this, this, this hit me, this hit me right where I wanted it to. Um, honestly, I, I agree. It wasn't perfect. I mean, um, it, 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 it had its problems, but I really, I really can't criticize it. I had an amazing time in the theater watching about watching it. I've had a great time kind of discussing it online and dissecting it in my head. It's, it's, it's exactly what I want from, it's exactly what I want science fiction to look like. Just, just like, uh, just like um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but far more so. I mean, Snowpiercer, to me, was much more accomplished at what it was trying to do, but they're both going for similar things, and I, I love them to death for it. I loved how, like, every train car was, like, an increased level of crazy. <laughs> you could not predict what was going to be behind those doors. No. It was like the cube, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like you open the door and you have no idea what fatal trap lies inside. But this was like even more bonkers. Like, you know, uh, Natalie's cube, you know, it's basically like uh, a more interesting saw in a way. Whereas this. Oh, that's unfair. I know that's Shut unfair. Up. All right. Fine. Unfair for which movie? <laughs> uh, um, but uh, Snowpiercer, I don't know. It was just like it was an increased level of decadence every time they yeah. opened the door. It reminded me of like the design of like city of lost children or something mm-hmm. where, uh, especially, you know, towards the end, I, I, I especially felt that way, but, uh, I just, I was blown away by this thing. And I, I can't remember the last time, uh, I, uh, I walked into a movie not knowing anything about it. Like I didn't even know Tilda Swinton was in this film. <laughs> and, uh, but that level of surprise helped me out a lot. Tilda Swinton was in this. She was in Grand Budapest Hotel, and she was in Only Lovers Left Alive. What she a keeps year. showing up in all of the best movies. What a year <laughs> for her! I, I'm the odd man out here. I have not even seen this movie. It is I so saw, easy I, to do. Yeah, it's on I demand know. now. It's it's eight dollars on demand uh, for AT and T, and I I will get to it. Um, I will say I watched the trailer, and some of the uh, cinematography definitely gave me some old boy vibes. So. Yeah, yeah, Chenwick Park all, actually produced it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, It'll be interesting to see if any of these movies stick as our favorites when we get into the latter half. Yeah. I, I, I won't be surprised if most of them stick around, particularly Grand Budapest. I, 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 I expect that to stay for most Well, of I'm certain. I, I got to tell you. I mean, I know I'm in the tank for this thing, but we, we're seeing Boyhood in like two weeks. And oh, that, that, lucky. That's probably going to supplant uh, my... Like, I pretty much would have to drive where you are to see Boyhood. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive for me, so... Oh, I, I got you beat on, on that drive. Uh, Michelle just got to see it last night in England. Wow. <laughs> wow. Did not go there just for Boyhood. <laughs> but, oh, <okay. laughs> but. Well, I hope she loved it. She did. Uh, and uh, I'm totally in the tank for Link later. So. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar, yeah. Inherent Vice. I mean, all the movies we talked about. Yeah, yeah there, there are... This is... As good as this year has been, this is going to be a huge end of the year if even half the movies we're excited about are as good as we think they will be. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a year where we have a Nolan, an Anderson, a Fincher. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gone Girl's coming in October. I mean, this is this is an insane year for the auteur. Two Andersons. Two, uh, Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson in the <laughs> same year, which is really exciting. Uh, and we also got a... Uh, we, we, not that we met anyone listed, but we got an Aronofsky this year, too. Yes. True. Um, I didn't see it. That's the reason I didn't list it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this has been a year for big filmmakers, yeah. uh, people with unique voices, which is so exciting, given what we're going to get next year. Um, <laughs> which will be fun, but there won't be a lot of... Uh, there won't be uh, many individual auteur-style films coming, I don't think. Maybe we'll be surprised. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about how thoughtful next year's crop is. Is I think we're going to be talking about how exciting it is, though. Uh, 2016 is not looking any better on that front. So. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like movies right. this year are like the like artsy, intelligent guy in school, and next year it's going to be like all football players. <laughs> you know? we, got some, we, got, we have some football players this year, too, particularly uh, coming into the fall. Uh, I, I'm thinking more, not what comes out in two weeks, but comes out in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Some, some turtles getting into some action. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Turtles. And we had Transformers. Um, yeah, we did have Transformers this year, didn't we? Yeah. All right, so uh, that wraps up our mid-year 
kind of report on how movies have been so far this year, uh, be sure to check out the article for a bit more detailed uh, description from each of us about each of these films and why we chose them. And uh, also be sure to click the links for any that you found interesting, any from this discussion or just from perusing the article yourself. It'll take you right to Amazon and you will be able to either purchase them for a few of them. I know for sure Lego Movie and Grand Budapest are already out. Uh, and you will be able to definitely pre-order the rest of them. So uh, next week, uh, I guess, reckon we won't be having a podcast because Kyle and Hannah are doing something I'll be very jealous of. You want to give us a quick taste of what y'all are doing? Yeah, we're going to San Diego Comic-Con uh, as press, which is exciting. And we're going to be interviewing a lot of comics creators and uh, got a few of them lined up already. And a few actors as well, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. And even a very important writer that uh, uh, it will be a big surprise for some of y'all. So yeah, for sure. It's, it's going to okay. be, it's going to be really good. Um, so yeah, it, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy about the flight over, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, we're going at like 8am, you know, <laughs> Actually, well, at least you're, at least you're flying and not driving. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the flying part's the part I'm not crazy about anyway. <laughs> well, uh, be sure to look out for that because I know Kyle has already said he's going to send the audio files of those interviews to Harper uh, during the con whenever he's able to. So we'll definitely get those up as soon as possible. And I'll be manning the news desk, I guess, so to speak, for Comic-Con. And I'll be posting everything as it comes out. So definitely keep an eye on Geek Rex for everything Comic-Con related next weekend. And I believe that starts next Thursday, doesn't it? It does. It does. All Actually, right. next Wednesday, preview night. Ah, Yes, yes, we will. (laughs) All right. We'll see y'all next time, I guess, two weeks from now. I guess we'll be talking about Comic Con stuff. Bye. See ya.